We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What's up, Nets fans? Welcome to the second episode of the Brooklyn Buzz podcast presented by OTGBasketball.com. I am your host, Nick Fay. With me again, my guy, Jack Manuel. How are you doing, Jack? My life is complete, Nick. Brooklyn Nets liked a tweet of mine. Um, I can we can end the podcast here. I'm done. It's over. Like it's it's my life has been fulfilled. At least my Twitter life, which is basically Twitter famous. I'm Twitter famous. Twitter famous is the best kind of famous. Jack is Twitter famous. We also are very happy because our Brooklyn Nets got their first W last night over the Orlando Magic. I was there. It was a fun, fun night. And great to see D'Lo kind of shine in the moment. I'm so happy, Nick. Like I'm so happy we have D'Angelo Russell on our team. It just gives you like that star pop, you know, maybe D'Angelo is not a star right now, but the fact, like you said, he's got the ice last night around the, I think it was the 120 mark in the fourth quarter. The Nets need a bucket. He goes ISO with D, uh, DJ Augustine pulls up, hits the and one jumper crowd goes oh, crazy. Big night for the Nets. We, we haven't had that for a long time. Like as much as you can always go to Brook Lopez for a bucket when it comes to like a, a point guard situation. Jeremy Lin has certainly had that sort of ability about it, but there's something about D'Lo. It's like a sort of Kyrie Irving aspect where you can just go one-on-one ISO and you know you're going to get something out of him. Still young, still developing, but I think he's in the perfect situation. Um, it's going to be interesting. There's always, already the debate about Lonzo versus D'Angelo, who's going to have the better career, but I'm backing our boy D'Loading. Yeah, I mean, he just gives you, like you said, that, that closer, that mentality, somebody you can give the ball, isolation situation, and he can hit those tough shots consistently at the end of the game. And that's something you always need if you're going to win late games in the NBA. Let's, uh, we got a few notes before we start talking basketball. <clears throat> we were supposed to have Andrew Hughes from Nothing But Nets, the site expert. We should get him on for you guys soon. You know, he's feeling a little bit under the weather, so hopefully Andrew feels better. Also, you can now listen to the Brooklyn Buzz podcast on iTunes, so make sure you subscribe to that. 
And as always, we mentioned, we're presented by OTGBasketball.com. So check them out and check us out on Twitter at OTGBasketball. But let's talk some Nets hoops. You know, before we talk about last night's game, we're going to talk about the first game of the season. You know, it was a little bit of, it was a disappointment. You know, there was some pros in it, but there was some really bad news that came out of that. And the Nets obviously lost 140-131 to the Pacers. And, you know, the Nets leader, Jeremy Lin, went down for the season with a ruptured patella tendon. Terrible news and just sucks to see that happen to Jeremy Lin. Somebody who's such a great guy and, you know, somebody you really enjoy on and off the court. Yeah, it, I mean, the fact that it happened to Gordon Hayward the night before, it happened to Jeremy Lin that night, and just the, the circumstances that it happened, like, you know, you don't want injuries to happen at any time. And for me, they're the worst part of sports. Like, people can hate on whatever they want. Everyone wants to see the best players out there. Um, and Jeremy Lin, he's a, he's a heart and soul guy for the Nets. Um, he's a leader. I think his leadership is uh, horribly underrated within that locker room. Um, yes, people say he's had an up and down year. Uh, he had an up and down year last year because of his injuries and stuff. But I think his impact off the court um, within the locker room, uh, Coach Kenny and Sean Marks uh, love him. Um, we all saw, for those that didn't check it out, check out Jeremy Lin's Instagram and Twitter page. Um, Coach Kenny paid him a visit at the hospital. He had a successful surgery. There was talks about the fact that he may not even recover. There was a lot of these rumors flying around. Um, it's a bad injury. But, but it's a horrible injury. But the fact that the Nets and Jeremy Lin himself have come out and they said they're expecting to make a full recovery is positive news because, you know, um, you want a quality a quality life not only on the basketball court but off the basketball court so prayers up for for jeremy and and also gordon yeah for sure and i think you know the fact you mentioned kenny was there it shows they have a special relationship and jeremy's a guy like you said they're not only miss on the court because he's that veteran guy he knows how to run the offense but he's a guy i think he'll be back at some point on the bench but he's a guy that can kind of help the young guys you know he's a really smart dude this is a guy who went to harvard you know, so he obviously has a high basketball IQ. I think sometimes for Jeremy, his body just can't keep up with his brain because he obviously sees everything yeah. so well. So I yeah. think, you know, having him on the sidelines, hopefully when he makes a recovery, will really help the young guys. Obviously, D'Angelo, Karis LeVert, even Spencer Dinwiddie, Isaiah Whitehead, you know, any young guy that has a ball in his hands. Jeremy's been in the league for a while now. So we're wishing him, like you said, a full recovery. I think the fact that the Nets are saying that they expect a full recovery, the injury probably isn't as bad as we anticipated. But let's talk Absolutely. about the Pacers and Nets game. You know, what stuck out to you? What disappointed you in this game? I think I'll echo the sentiments of uh, Coach Kenny here. I, I think the defense um, is something something to be desired. Um, we could say the same thing about the Magic game. You know, to, to concede 140 points to a team with as much as Miles Turner is a great player, Victor Oladipo can, can slam some dunks. Um, you know, Sabonis can nail a shot every now and then. They don't have any elite, elite talent on the offensive end. And yet we conceded 100. I remember reading um, somewhere as well the fact that I think it was the fastest paced game for like 10 years. There was like 117 yep. possessions. It was back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. It was like a tennis match almost. Um, but the fact that we conceded such a high score um, to, a t to a team that doesn't really have like a, a LeBron James, a, a Giannis Antetokounmpo, um, it, it, it was disappointing. And also, um, uh, Mozgov and, and our bigs, their big situation, there's a question mark around that. Um, you know, are we going to get bullied all season by those sort of guys? Miles Turner is, is great and on the rise, but, um, you know, when we come up against guys like Boogie, we mentioned in our first podcast, Boogie, uh, DeMarcus, Cat, those sort of guys, Joel Embiid, who he bullied us in the preseason. 
it's certainly um, going to be a, a talking point throughout the year, how we can sort of protect that interior. Yeah, 100%. I think that's the easiest thing to look at is defense. You know, the defense was bad. The transition defense was bad. The front court defense was bad. You know, they didn't protect the paint, and it was tough. You know, like you said, Moskov, he just can't really move well. Booker's a little undersized. So against these elite seven-footers, like you said, you know, a Miles Turner, a DeMarcus Cousins, a Joel Embiid, an Anthony Davis, you know, a Nikola Jokic, you know, these guys are really going to own the Nets unless they come up with something. And we saw that happen in the game last night as well. But another disappointing thing in the Pacers game, I think, the fact that the Nets turned the ball over 20 times. Definitely. When a basketball game, you turn over 20 times. Last year, I think they led the league in turnovers. So not a great way to start the season. Some of that's probably new teammates, but still you've got to keep, you know, protect the ball, especially I think in the first half, they were already in the teens. So they needed to really cut it down in the second half. Yeah, and I mean, in a motion offense that um, the Nets run, it, there's always going to be turnovers. And I mean, the the Golden State Warriors, when they were forming their, their new offense around Steve Kerr, had a high amount of turnovers, especially because they're passing so much, like the Nets are these days. Um, but that's one thing that the defense and, and, and on the offense in terms of turnovers, I think that's going to be an emphasis for um, for Atkinson throughout the season. And I, and I think eventually that will get tightened up um, because... As much as I think the efic- the efficiency comes with with ref- with reps, um, yep. it's been two games. Um, there's always going to be that rust, no matter who you are. LeBron James said he wasn't fit after the first game, yet he still got what, thirty points and sixteen rebounds. So it's going to come um, once you get those reps. Once you hear that All Star break, if we're still around that mark. The turnovers haven't been, um, you know, tightened up a little bit. That's when you know the alarm bells will start ringing. But I think for now. You know, we're just going to tighten it up a little bit. I think Spencer Dinwiddie coming into the lineup and getting more minutes will certainly help that, just as a low-key sort of move. Yeah, last year he was one of the most efficient players. I believe he probably didn't even average over two turnovers a game. And like you said, you know, some of it's the offense, and obviously playing at such a high pace, you're going to have more turnovers. But it does hurt the defensive end too. You know, if you are going to play that way, you need to make sure you get back on D. And there was a couple times in that game Victor Oladipo had – a Pretty easy transition buckets, even Lance Stevenson. So that's not something you want to see. But we did have some positives, too. Obviously, D'Angelo showed up in his first game as a net, dropped 30 points, you know, five assists, three rebounds, shot over 50% from the field and from three. So pretty impressive night from D'Angelo. Yeah, the fact that he only did it in 30 minutes as well, Nick, was just yeah. pretty pretty impressive. Um, Coach Kenny's known for not playing his guys, you know, extreme minutes. He's almost the antithesis of, of Tom Thibodeau with these young guys. Um, you know, Brooke Lopez probably barely scratched the 31-minute mark last year, and he was our number one offensive guy. So I think um, you can expect the same from D'Lo. The fact that he could do – and he had a quite an efficient night. Um, he, he shot 50% from the field. Um, you know, he was good from three. Um, his passing was good. He, it was almost a perfect opener um, for D'Angelo. And, you know, I think his presence for the Brooklyn team this year is not going to be um, underestimated. He just brings so much to the city – um, so much to the town of Brooklyn, so much to the team. Um, we we could rave about it. We could do a, We could change this from the Brooklyn Buzz podcast to the D'Angelo Buzz podcast. I reckon Nick. I could speak all day about it. <laughs> I mean, he does, and you could see it in that first game, just the ability. And I think you know something we've seen in preseason, we've seen in these first two games, is D'Angelo's passing ability, and that's definitely something that's very exciting because he has thrown at least two or three passes in both these games. Where you're like, whoa. You know, that, that's an elite-level pass right there. So that's something I think that's been really impressive from D'Angelo. Yeah, he seems to have a really good tempo about him as well. Just watching, obviously, 
Uh, being in London myself, I can't watch a lot of the games live, but watching the condensed games, seeing how he, he likes to dribble a bit, but at the same time, he doesn't force it. He doesn't force the pass. He doesn't force the shot, uh, which is something that I think has come with his maturity um, and being in, in a system that works for him. Um, obviously, I think it was underrated how decent of a player he was out in Los Angeles, uh, despite you know the, the whole Kobe tour, um, the whole situation with Byron Scott and everything, and Magic not wanting him. But I think D'Lo, um, I, I mentioned it on, I think I mentioned it on our first episode, and I mentioned it on JBT Pod as well, that I think he could push for an all-star selection. And after these first two games, he'd be up there. He'd certainly be up there. He could probably push for most improved player this year. I think that's something that uh, yep. I mentioned on the award show. I think, you know, at that point, I was just kind of throwing it out there. But now watching him play, the fact that Jeremy went down, there's going to be a lot of, you know, usage rate for him and a lot of shots. So he's going to have the opportunity to really step up. And if the Nets can still get over 30 wins without Jeremy going down, I think that'll say a lot about D'Angelo as well. For sure. But let's talk last night's game. Orlando Magic, Brooklyn Nets, home opener. I was there. It was great atmosphere. Nets got the W, 126-121. It was a close game throughout, you know, back and forth. Nikola Vujicic killed the Nets, destroyed them, ripped out our souls. And <laughs> But we still were able to manage and get the win. You know, what were your thoughts on that game? What did you – we'll start with the disappointment first on this, then we'll talk positives. Uh, for the disappointment, um, as much as we've been raving about D'Lo, he had eight turnovers. Um, and that's something that's I'm sure he's going to have to clear up. He had two in the first game. Um, but eight turnovers is quite lofty by any point guard standards. As well, we mentioned um, the big situation. Um, I think Mozgov uh, stood out in terms of his lack of flexibility, his mobility, um, his lack of agility. Um, any itty um, you could add into for, for, for Timofey Mozgov. Yeah. Um, I'm listening to Coach Kenny in the postgame. Um, he said that they turned to Ronda Hollis Jefferson because... Um, they know that they can back him for his defense, and his wingspan is, you know, over seven foot, despite his you know, lack of size. He's six foot seven, same size as Draymond, um, and he didn't really stop him, but he certainly was more effective than Mozgov, and he can certainly hurt you on the other end because he's got that speed, and you know, Vucevic is certainly going to have to keep up with him because of that pace that he has. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, just by the eye test being there and watching it, as soon as Ronde switched on the Vujicic, it seemed like the momentum changed in the Nets' favor, and you know, Vujicic still scored a few times, but Rondé was able to force a turnover here or there, or at least force him to pass the ball. So I thought Rondé did a good job. And also the Nets did a better job helping too. You know, at that point when Rondé was on him, there was a little bit more switching, a little bit more double teams, and I think that kind of helped. You mentioned D'Lo with the eight turnovers. Yeah, that definitely was an issue. And I think some of that was him pressing a little bit early in the game, you know, knowing Jeremy's out. And I also think it really helped when they put him on the floor with a second ball handler. Yeah. You know, the starting lineup, you know, when they started Allen Crabb, I think they would have been better off starting Karis LeVert, in my opinion. And I think, yeah. you know, D'Angelo did better with LeVert on the floor, and he did better with Spencer Dinwiddie on the floor. I don't know if the split's off the top of my head, but, you know, I think he plays a little bit more uh, – he plays a little bit better as a, almost a combo guard, where he's a point guard half the time, and then he gets to play shooting guard the other half. Yeah, so it's kind of I mean, a little bit easier. He doesn't have the full workload. I mean, it showed in that first game. Um, the Jeremy Lin injury happened, you know – five minutes into the, the last quarter. So for the majority of the game, we saw the best version of D'Angelo in his optimal role as that sort of combo guard, as you mentioned. Um, Spencer Dinwiddie and Karis LeVert are going to have increased role in the absence of Jeremy. And I think um, they all had around that same sort of minute range from memory. I think D'Lo had about 25, Spencer Dinwiddie had about 24, and Karis had about 22. 
So I think um, the minutes distribution, you're certainly going to see pretty even, um, obviously depending on the matchups. But, uh, you know, Karras and, um, and Spencer were, were great. And, and that whole bench really lifted us. Yeah. Before we talk about positives, let's go back to the big man situation and just the fact that Vujicic was able to dominate them and Mozgov, on the other hand, he just had, you know, almost no positive effect for the team out there. You know, he wasn't providing anything offensively. He wasn't dominating the boards. And defensively, just on the pick and roll, they were just, you know, popping out Vujicic for the three-point line, and he was having an easy day, wide open threes. Do you think Mozgov is going to be a liability like that all season long? Um, It's hard to say, Nick. I don't want to jump to any conclusions uh, based on the two games. We want to keep things positive here at Brooklyn Buzz. But um, it's certainly something that he's going to have to work on and, and Kenny's going to have to work on, especially that pick and roll defense. Um whether he, you know, they sag off a little bit or, you know, Timofey focuses on, you know, that sort of area that he's good at. He's good at sort of, you know, that physical presence. Um, he's decent on the rebounds. You know, LeBron James, one of them a few years ago, said that he was a player that they needed. They gave up a first rounder for him. So um, he's no slouch. Um, but I think in today's modern NBA, um, as you love the, the whole pace and space, he just doesn't really fit. Um, we mentioned before recording that, you know, he's almost like a, a Zaza light. Um, he just doesn't really have any elite offensive capabilities. Um, and in today's NBA, yeah. going up against those unicorns, um, and Vucevic is by no means Chris Epps, Porzingis, or Carl Anthony Towns, but um, he certainly struggled. So I think you know, they're going to have to mix and match depending on those matchups. Yeah, just imagine him matching up with a Chris Stops or a, a Cat or an Anthony Davis. He would just get a, you know yeah. demolished. Yep, so it's going to be definitely. something the Nets are going to have to try to do. Like you said, maybe they'll use him a little bit like Zaza, play him beginning of the first quarter and third quarter, and then, you know, don't bring him back in. And, you know, Jared Allen really stepped up, moving on to positives. The bench was big last night. You know, Allen was big. Booker was big. Dinwiddie was big. Joe Harris was big. Karis Levert struggled a little, but he had some big moments. Let's let's start with the top, though. He was on the team last year. He provided the team with that super grit. He just plays super hard every night. And you instantly can tell when he's on the floor as soon as he comes in. What do you love about Booker and what he did last night? He epitomizes uh, the hashtag, we go hard, last year's hashtag, Brooklyn Grit. Um, I remember, I think you retweeted or liked it, Nick, that he's one of the first ever players to come off the bench um, in, the, in the opening two games and average a double-double. Um, you know, not, not an easy um, feat by any stretch. You know, he's... He just, he's got so much, he's got a, a really arrayed skill set. Um, you know, he can pass, he can rebound. He's quite quick. Um, he's underrated in, in, in his quickness. Um, he's uh, an important part of this offense right now. Um, and I think, you know, he's the energy that he gives off the bench. I think that's one thing that, you know, you want from all your bench guys. You want elite energy. You want them to provide an immediate spark, uh, give you something off the bench or else because, or else you're not going to get those minutes. And and you immediately see that, like you mentioned, with Trevor Booker. Yeah, he brings the energy, and, like, the fans love it. You know, the offensive rebounds, the hustle points, you know, anything just diving on the ball for loose balls, or when he gets an and one just with a flex. You know, it's just that type of stuff that gets everyone pumped, and he's just a great asset for the Nets to have. And like you said, he offers some nice versatility with his athletic ability. You know, like you said, he's a little bit underrated in the quickness category. So sometimes on the floor he switches onto a three, it's not so bad. So I'm I'm really happy about Booker, and I, I would be tempted to start him in the starting lineup, but like you said, he just brings that energy and that pop off the bench. It'd be hard to do it. I'm, Let's I'm talk gonna, Spencer, didn't we? Oh, go ahead, Jack. I was going to um, question you, Nick, on the fact that um, he's playing out of his mind right now, Trevor Booker, but if he keeps going like this and he increases his trade value, 
do you see a trade possibly happening at the All-Star break? Could you see a team sort of pouncing on him for either an early second rounder or a late first rounder? Um, I could see a late a late first rounder. I think the Nets would probably want only move him for a late first rounder. He's an expiring yep. contract, and he still provides some value to the team. And the Nets do want to win games. You know, they don't want to. There's no point in tanking. They don't have their pick. So I think if there's a good offer for him, they'll do it. But they're not going to trade him for nothing. I don't think yep. they want to do that. And yep. it just seems like Sean Marks and Kenny, they have a good relationship with a lot of these guys, and. If they can keep them and it's not a great offer, I don't know if they'll move them, especially with a lack of veterans on this team. We kind of mentioned a little bit on the first one, but who knows? You know, somebody might be like, you know, Booker's playing lights out. He can give us that rebounding, that energy pop that we really need. He's kind of like a versatile big you can play because, like we mentioned, you can play him a little bit at the five, play him at the four. He can switch a little bit, but we'll keep an eye on that all year long. Another guy stepped up on the bench, Spencer Dinwiddie. You know, you could probably say he was the player of the game. He stepped up big. With Jeremy Lin out, we knew a point guard needed to play big, and Dinwiddie did that. He was a little bit more aggressive offensively in the second half yesterday, and it really showed, and he looked good attacking the rim. And you'd like to see it a little bit more out of him. He's playing like a vet. Um, it's underrated. Like, you look at Spencer Dinwiddie, and just by the look of him, he seems so calm, composed. He, he's like the sort of, you know, Jimmy and Nelson type, where it looks like he's had, I mean, Jimmy and Nelson is a vet, literally. But Spencer Dinwiddie looks like, you know, he's been out there for 10 years. He's 24 he years of age. Yeah. He's got, that, he's got that vet vibe. Um, and I just like his skill set. Uh, again, um, I think the Nets, are, in terms of the guys that they want, they want guys that can do everything. Um, that's where the NBA is moving these days, to sort of that positionless basketball. And you look at Spence Dinwood, he's got some decent size about a great passer. Um, that's one thing you mentioned, his aggression. I think within the absence of Jeremy Lin, it's going to allow him to be a bit more aggressive um, and rather than just sort of, you know, as a, as a bench guy, you sort of... Um, prohibited by the fact that, okay, I've got to do well when I go on. I don't want to make any mistakes. Um, but I think because as, despite, he still, he may start in, in a couple of games depending on matchups because as you mentioned, D'Lo works better with the ball handler and listening to some other podcasts, they like the fact that Spencer Dewey could be as a starter. It, it hurts our bench depth and energy. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if he does push into the starting lineup at some stage this season. Yeah, we're going to talk starting lineup in a little bit, but I think Dinwiddie's definitely a guy you have to consider. Like you said, defensively, I think he's underrated, and that length and wingspan allows him to defend multiple positions, and I love switchability. So that's a reason I love Spencer. Another guy who got some minutes, I don't think he got any minutes in game the first game, and that was Joe Harris. And, I mean, this this dude's stroke is looking smooth as hell. Like, his three-point shot, even on the misses, is looking like it's going in. Yeah, Coach Kenny mentioned it after the game, the fact that he, he always – he's you're going to get a bucket or two from Joe, but he also really liked um, the defense on the defensive end as well. Um, you you can't purely be um, a Swaggy P type. Even these days, Swaggy P's playing some defense. Um, I mean, you have to with Golden State. But I think Joe Harris, um, if, he seems to work really well at Barclays. Um, whenever he's at home, you know that, that hometown energy sort of seems to work for him really well. We didn't see him here at DNP, like you mentioned, Nick, in the first game against the Pacers. But... Um, if he keeps doing the things that he did against the Magic, um, you know, he's unlikely to see any DMPs for the rest of the year. Yeah, I just love the pop he can bring offensively with, you know, run a couple plays for him, and he just kind of sucks you into the corner spacing-wise because he's such an elite three-point shooter nowadays. Last year, I think he shot close to 40%. He said his goal this year is to shoot over 40. Look, it looks like a real possibility. Before, before we get off of last night's game, let's talk Jared Allen real quick. You know, he got some minutes last night. Like we said, he didn't play in game one. He played in game two, and he showed up big. You know, I think he already had three dunks in his first game. 
uh, blocked the shot, and you could already feel his you know impact with that length that he has. I heard the comparison a million times, Nick, and I'm going to bring it up again. DeAndre Jordan' career is is on the 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 horizon for this kid. But if anything, I actually like his versatility a bit more than DeAndre Jordan. Um, he's got a bit more quickness about him. Um, his wingspan is is huge. Um, but he's in that pick and roll with D'Lo. I can can you imagine that for the next ten years, just those two guys doing the pick and roll? I it just and because you know D'Lo has is an elite offensive, an elite shooter, and Jared Allen is an elite becoming um, a very good rim runner. And he's just that stuff that like. You know that's that's ESPN top ten Sports Center stuff right there. Um, there were some great signs from a guy who's you know a, a baby. He's one of our youngest yeah. ever players. Um, he's a baby. That he's you can see it in his frame. Um, I'm I'm sure that Afro probably weighs about as much as he does. But um, <laughs> he's a he's a great prospect, and um, Sean Marks must be credited for the for the pick because um, we got a guy. We got a guy. Yeah, I mean, I think you know going to the season, a lot of people said G League. But now yeah. it looks like he's going to see minutes this season. And like you said, he's shown a lot. <clears throat> the DeAndre comparison, you know, obviously he needs to put on more size. But I think the fact that he's been working on his jump shot a lot looks very good for the Nets. I don't know if he'll ever want to get to the size of DeAndre. Maybe he'll stay a little bit slimmer and a little bit quicker like a Tyson Chandler body type. So yep. somebody to definitely keep an eye on. And another exciting piece for the Nets. And they might have, you know, struck struck gold again in the middle rounds. They already got Karis LeVert last year. They get Jaron Allen this year. Some really good draft picks from Sean Marks, especially lacking the lottery picks. Definitely. I'm going to put a hot take out there for Jared Allen, Nick. And, I mean, we're going to have to do the Brooklyn Buzz podcast for a few years for this to happen. But I reckon Jared Allen is in the Defensive Player of the Year conversation at some stage in his career. Whether it's five, six, seven years down the track when he, he develops his body a little bit. Um, they say that wings and bigs, you know, you've got to develop that frame a bit. Like Brandon Ingram still hasn't put on any masks despite what people might say. Um, but I reckon he's got that flexibility about him where you look at like a Rudy Gobert and his skill set. You look at a Jared Allen and his skill set. He's almost got a bit more versatility. He's almost got like the, the ability to switch like a Draymond. Not as a leader as Draymond, not by any stretch. Um, but he also defends the rim at quite a decent level. Um, he's obviously, his body and how, if he can stay healthy, um, you know, knock on wood, hopefully he stays healthy throughout his career. But um, just thought I'd throw a bit of a hot take out there for, for all our listeners. Yeah, I don't think that's too bad of a hot take. It's a real possibility. He has, like we mentioned, some of the elite wingspan and reach in the NBA with the length that he has. And I think he said that last summer that he was growing a little bit. So Jared Allen's definitely a fun piece to keep an eye on. But, you know, obviously the Nets won. So they're one and one. We have Atlanta on Sunday. Should be a good game. Hopefully the Nets can play another W at home. We got a, I got a few more questions for you before we get out of here. I got a fun one for you. Obviously, Jeremy Lin went down. He probably had the best hair on the Nets because he was switching up every time. Now, who takes on that role? Uh, it's hard, Nick. Um, you've mentioned your love for the Jared Allen throw, as I mentioned. It's quite a large one. But I love Delo's dreads. I love I like Rondé's dreads. It might be a white boy thing. I, I, I can't <laughs> do it. It's definitely a white boy thing. But Delo, um, you know, I, I, I'm not afraid to say it. He's just a sexy dude. He's got this swagger <laughs> about him. I love the little earring as well. It all just fits for him, and, and, and I'm in, I'm infatuated with D'Angelo. But him and him and Rondé, him Rondé and Jared Allen are probably your top three right now. Yeah, definitely. So everybody know Jack's got a man crush on D'Angelo, but he's got some major okay. swags. So it's okay. I'm gonna go with the rookie. I'm gonna go with the fro. You like don't it. see it much. You don't see it much in the NBA anymore. And you know his fro is no joke. 
and he's a rookie. So I don't know. He, he's got the option to really mess around with it for the next few years, but I like it. I like that he gives a good vibe coming into the league. It gives him a little advantage defensively, a few more inches. <laughs> I like that call. I like it. Jump up. He, he could probably hit the top of the rim with that with that hair. Yeah, I think easily too. He's He's got the hops, but we talked starting lineup a little bit before. Do you think the net starting lineup changes going to the next game or over the next week? I think it's it's all dependent on matchups, and I think Coach Kenny isn't afraid to to change it up a little bit. We saw the fact that Joe Harris didn't play any minutes. Um, Sean Kilpatrick still yet to make um, his debut. Um, I, I, it's going to all depend on who we're versing. I think against the Hawks, when you look at that backcourt, it's likely to be a Bazemore and a Schroeder. Um, I think Alan Crabb has a bit more um, length than a Bazemore and could probably exploit him from the, the perimeter. But at the same time, Spencer did when he has that flexibility as well and as a decent playmaker. So um, I wouldn't be surprised if, if Spencer did when he makes a start um, or even at some stage, Karis LeVert. I think Denwitty has a bit more poise about him um, than Karis LeVert right now. Um, Karis is certainly still learning the game and it's only his, uh, his second year. But Spencer did seems to have a, a bit more calmness, a bit more... Um, he just seems to be able to run things and, and, and run the show in a way that um, Karras has a bit more uh, hyper sort of youthful energy that I think he's going to get under control throughout the year. But um, I think it stays the same. Why mess with the winning formula and going into Atlanta, who um, are probably going to be around that mark where we are this year. It's it's going to be important to, that we bank these wins. Yeah, I, I think Karras is pre- pressing early. I could kind of see it last night. He just looked a little uncomfortable. He airballed a three. You know, he just needs to attack a little bit more and kind of get his rhythm. You know, attacking the rim, he's his length is underrated, and he's somebody who can really, you know, get past his guys. It's a really nice hesitation move. He got a few bigs on it last night a few times. So I think, you know, Karras just needs to attack the rim a little bit more. I would probably like a change in the starting lineup. I think D'Angelo, like I mentioned, does better with a second ball handler. If that's Dinwiddie or Karras Levert, I think I would probably go with Levert. You know, he's youthful, like you said. He's going to make some mistakes, but he's not going to need to have the ball a ton. And playing with D'Angelo will be able to kind of set things up. And I mentioned this before. I really like that relationship. I don't know if you saw last night. Uh, D'Angelo hit Karras for an and one layup. And after the play, he ran over to him and was all hyped up. So I think that's a relationship I want to see develop. And I think that's, you know, the future of the Nets right there is this could be yeah. your your guard duo of the future, Karras yeah. Levert, D'Angelo Russell. So why not let them start now? Dinwiddie still, I want to see Dinwiddie play a lot more minutes, though. I still want to see his minutes jump. I just don't think he needs to be in that starting lineup because we need a backup point guard. I don't know if Isaiah Whitehead can do that. I know Spencer Dinwiddie can do that, and I'm comfortable with him running the show. Yeah, so I think well, keep keep him in the role. Find him some minutes to kind of, you know, play him with D'Angelo a little bit too. But I think I would like Karras in the starting lineup because I think they need another ball handler. Unless Rondé is going to really start handling the ball a lot, I would mess around with it. Yep, that's fair. That's definitely fair. Oh, I don't know if we mentioned it, but Damari Carroll, that's a guy who I, I want to give him a quick shout-out because he was a salary dump, and he's looking great. I know a couple people, I think Bobby Marks has said, he looks like Atlanta Damari Carroll. He, he had does. a couple big baskets last night. His legs look a lot better. So I think he's a nice piece for the Nets moving forward, and he's going to impress people this year, and it's going to help the Nets you know, be a little bit better than people thought. Yeah, and I mean, we talk about the fact that Timofey Mozgov was a salary dump, and he's not really adding much, but Damari Carroll is anything but a dump. Um, you know, He's contributing on... All ends, ends of the floor. Yeah. Uh, both ends of the floor, definitely. He's um, developed, he's, he's harked back to his Atlanta days, like Bobby and you mentioned. Um, also, the fact that we add that sort of veteran leadership as well, um, he, he's, he's been on winning franchises. That um, Atlanta team was like a 60 win team, um, funnily enough, with Coach Kenny developing that relationship. So 
I think having Damari Carroll to sort of step up in, in the leadership sense in the absence of Jeremy Lin is going to be beneficial, especially for guys like, you know, Karis Levert, Spencer Dinwiddie, um, all those sort of young guys. Oh, I'm super happy with what we got with Damari Carroll um, and hopefully he can continue it throughout the season. Yeah, he's just, a, like you said, with Lin going down, he's just like a stabilizing... There was a couple times last night the Nets needed a bucket and Carroll went in and worked on uh, Evan Fournier and got to the rim. So I think, you know, he still has some good vibes to him and it'll be definitely fun to watch the rest of the season. For sure. But that wraps it up for today. Jack, as always, thank you for hopping on the Brooklyn Buzz. You know, guys, like I said, you can now subscribe to us on iTunes. You can follow OTG on Twitter at OTG Basketball. You can also follow Jack and I. Uh, my Twitter handle is at OTG Nick. And I am at JBT. A quick shout out for other podcasts on OTG. We have the NBA outlet as our main pod. Jack does another pod with his buddy, Nick Busink and JBT pod. Corey Waldron, my host on the NBA outlet has full access hoops. So make sure you check out all of our pods and we're adding more. You know, blog talk, iTunes, we're everywhere. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from RootMetric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. When you make decisions for your company, you always look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing and shipping to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your process to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, books, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart if you sell online, schedule package pickups through the dashboard, and automatically see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers, with rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are, even on the go. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other business decision makers with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.